Hey, this is Jeremy McCrory, and this is the Run for Jesus podcast, a ministry podcast that will help you run the race of faith in your Christian life like never before. Back through here. Uh, Today we're looking at a new heaven and a new earth. I was reminded this morning of what newness is like. Newness in life has been demonstrated to me in a a number of different ways. You know, newness in life comes through a relationship in in and knowing who Jesus Christ is. Newness in life comes with a new baby and you're 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 walking out with a new baby and and there's just this newness, this freshness in life. Uh, newness might come in life when you get a new pair of shoes, you know. Newness might come in all different ways, but newness is something that the Lord's going to bring in the end, a new heaven and a new earth. Why? Because of the sin of humanity. Because of the sin of humanity, sin came into this world, and because of that, Jesus came to save us from our sins. But he says that because of our sin, because of the way that the world is going, he will return again one day, right? He's coming back again. So a new heaven and a new earth is is and involves the study of end times. The study of end times is called eschatology. And it, it's looking at end times including death, the intermediate state, afterlife, judgment, millennium, heaven, and hell. It also comes from a combination of the Greek words meaning the study of last things. So you th- see throughout the Old Testament, uh, the study of last things or eschatology talks about life after death. It talks about what happens in the end. It talks about when Jesus returns. It talks about the judgment of humanity and where do our souls go. So it's very important that you and I understand this understanding of new heavens and new earth. Second Peter brings it to us and, and illustrates it on this day, this newness, this, this beginning, this start again in this world. So how many of us, if we're looking at this, would gauge that we are concerned as we need to be about the second coming of the Lord? How many of us is that something that just consumes our heart every day? We're thinking about, you know, those that are around us that don't know the name of Jesus, those that we encounter that we need to tell the good news, those that that are needy that we need to serve, those around us, we should be consumed with it. But there has been As of late, and even throughout time, there has been a kind of more to just like punching our own card, meaning I know Jesus, I've got that ticket to heaven, and I've got it figured out. There has to be more. There has to be more in our lives than just knowing we know Jesus, but a concern for others around us that they know Jesus too, that they walk in the Lord Because it says within Scripture that He's going to come. And so comes judgment. I loved several weeks ago, we were able to see little Ava go in to the baptismal waters. Now, the greater thing was, is that her dad is the one who baptized her. Greater still, we want to have a lasting impact. And baptism does not save an individual. What it does is it illustrates the saving nature of God which saved her on the inside. And forever her name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life because we believe that you were saved once and you're always saved. So on that day, 
there was a faith worth living that was demonstrated to the world around us. 2 Peter 3 verse 10 says this, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens pass, will pass away with the roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Meaning you and I don't know the exact timing to which He will return. But it is going to happen. We don't know, and I'm sure that's kind of how it was for so many years. They said, Jesus is going to come. A Redeemer is going to come. A, a, a person who is going to take the place of our sin is going to come. So for years and years, they said, He's coming. But there was a day we know Jesus came. And there will be a day that He will return again. Verse 11 says, Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you be in holy conduct and godliness? Since we know that He's going to come back, that's a fact, how should we live differently? See, that should make all the difference in the world to how we live, right? It shouldn't take a prognosis in our lives. It shouldn't take something happening in our life. It shouldn't take just the bad times to get our attention. We should remember at all times and in everything to be thankful for the Lord and what He's done, but also that we need to live differently than the world around us, even if everyone in the world believes this way or that way about something. You and I stand on the Word of God, so we conduct ourselves differently because we emphasize who we live for. Verse 12 says, Looking for... And hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. So there's going to be a day when Jesus returns. And with Jesus comes judgment on the sinfulness of humanity. And if you've ever made a mess that's hard to clean up, I wonder if that's how humanity's looked at by the things we've accepted that are not godly, by the direction that we've gone as a culture, by the things that we've let happen within the churches, all of those things, the Lord is going to bring a sense of judgment and a real judgment to the souls of humanity. Also, we learn about the Lord's righteousness on that day as well will dwell with us again. So not everything is bad about the judgment. That means that we will have the presence of God among us yet again. Verse 13 of 2 Peter 3, it says, But according to His promise, we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Trevor talked about that a minute ago. Right living, righteousness. We will be in the presence of God yet again. How many of you recall a time to which everything was right and well? If you look at Scripture, you look back in the book of Genesis, and in the book of Genesis, it was just Jesus and those that He had made in the garden to take care of life, and sin was not a part of it, right? There was a perfect earth, creation, and Eden in that. But there was sin that came in because of our sinfulness. So there's righteousness will dwell again. I want us to transition over real quick to Revelation 21. Revelation 21, just put your finger there because we'll come back to that passage. But Revelation 21 illustrates this new heaven and a new earth. Now in the book of Revelation, this is 
a lot of times they believe that it's John at Patmos and he's taking all of these things down. This is, this is his account of what will happen in the future, but what the Lord says, we know he will do. Amen? We know that the Lord's going to do what he says. And so he used people to write down these accounts. Revelation 21 verse 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there's no longer any sea. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of, uh, out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold! The tabernacle of God is among men, and He will dwell among them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself will be among them. Did y'all catch that part? That God Himself will be there, and He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no longer any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. That's the day. That's a good day. But it says a little bit further. It says, and he who sits on the throne says this. Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, right, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said this to me. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end. And I will give to the one who thirsts from the springs of water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, they will, take, they will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So there's going to be a day that he comes and he is our God and we get to be his people. And he's going to take all those pains and difficulties and sorrows and hardships and all those things which plague us as humanity. And he is going to give us a peace that we do not ever fully know. But I love what he says. I'm going to make all things new. Y'all... We think it's impossible to have a fresh start until we meet Jesus, amen? Sometimes we think that we're so entrenched in our sin, we're so just wrapped up in that, that we could not find a way out. I've heard it said like this, and I believe it, it feels like this huge weight on our soul, doesn't it? But when Jesus comes, it changes the entirety of our outlook. It changes us from the inside out. Sure, we remember the lessons that we've learned, right? But that's not us anymore. We've been bought with a price. And it says that He is the beginning and the end. He is going to be the one who created the world, but He's going to be the one who brings about the new Jerusalem in the very end. He will return. But those who do not believe, those who live according to the world, they labeled in here cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, um, murderers, immoral, sorcerers, and all those that are listed there will go into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. So what are we to do as we wait? 
If you're a believer in Christ, you are waiting on that day, right? You are waiting on that day with anticipation. You don't fear that day. But what you fear is the fact that there are friends and family that may not be ready for that day. There are people that we encounter that may not know Jesus and they might not even care. And we live in an environment to where many of us travel through different cities and towns and places and we're fortunate to meet people of all backgrounds, nationalities, all people groups. And we're able to talk to them and, and tell them about the things going on in our life and the things that we do at work and the things that we do at home and all of those things. But I just wonder if we're more consumed with the things of this world than telling them of the good news of Jesus Christ. So as we wait, we are commanded to be diligent in preparing for His coming. In other words, we don't just take a vacation or a rest because we know Jesus. We say, because I know Jesus, there's more work to be done. Because I know Jesus, I need to tell the good news. Because I know Jesus, I need to talk more about Him and make Him more known in my life than anything else. 2 Peter 3, going back to there. 2 Peter 3, verse 14 says, Therefore, beloved, since you, have, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul according to the wisdom given, wrote to you. As also in all the letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things are hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do the rest of Scripture to their own destruction. How many people have, have had Scriptures distorted or made in such a manner where they sound like they're... They're accepting things that they never meant to. That's why it's so important that you and I look at the context of Scripture. We say, who is it written for? Who wrote the Scripture? And what's its purpose and intent? Because God's Word was never meant to mean something that He never intended for it to mean. So we don't need to add to it. We don't need to take away from it. We need to live according to the letter of what it says. And follow Him. Patience of the Lord at salvation. So, so we think about how we'll be found when He returns. But also we think we need to be on guard and seeking to grow and mature in your faith. How many of us can honestly say that we are not at the same maturity level as we were when we were at day one of believing in Jesus Christ? Because we ought to be knowing more about Scripture, right? We ought to be demonstrating that selflessness, that humility, that compassion, that love, that mercy, grace. All of those things which have been afforded unto us should be more relevant and evident in our lives than ever before, right? Like because in the beginning, we probably didn't even know how to pray, right? We didn't know how to read God's Word. We didn't have to know how to make application. We weren't involved in any small groups. We weren't involved in any Sunday school class. We weren't involved in serving in our community. We weren't involved in those things. But as we grow and as we go, we learn how to have conversations with anybody anywhere. How many of you are good conversationalists? Meaning that you can talk to anybody anywhere. Anybody? 
Some of us are good about that. Some of you don't want to raise your hands, but, but we can talk to anybody about anything at any time. Why don't we talk to them about the Lord? Why don't we tell them the good news? Why don't we seek to grow and mature in our faith? Look, the me yesterday shouldn't be the me today. All right, the one tomorrow should be different as well. And that's not because I'm totally different. That's because Christ in me is still growing and working in my life and teaching me things I can do better for His name's sake. So it says in verse 17, it says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you're not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. In other words, pursue after God with such intention... That the world around you can't take you off of where God wants you to go. Guard yourself. Be ready for the attacks of the evil one. Be ready for the attacks of the world. Be ready for the principles of mankind to try to come against the word of God. Be ready for those things. And do not fall from being steadfast. Steadfast means you're rooted and immovable, you are not going to, to be swayed one way or the other. Steadfastness means you know who you believe in, and there's nothing worth compromising that over. So it says in verse 18, it says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and the day of eternity. Amen. So we are to grow in the grace, meaning that we are to be ones who love and forgive others who do us the most harm and some of you say oh no <laughs> that's hard to do we are to love our enemies we are to love those that we encounter once in our life we are to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ in everything so grace and knowledge meaning that you and I should know more about God's word today than we did way back when we should know and want to be with Him more. We should say, I have to do my devotion today, not necessarily out of just out of doing it, but I get to do my devotion today. Not, I have to tell the good news, but I get to tell the good news. Not, I wonder who needs to know Jesus Christ. I know there are people in my life who need to know of the saving gospel of Jesus Christ that changed my soul Everyone who is a Christian believer has a story to tell. Amen? And some of us like to say it like this, and I even heard it in Sunday school today. Some of us like to say, well, I don't know if I say the right things. How many of you know that God changed your soul and heart forever and ever that one day? That He changed you from the inside out. You know the story of Christ in you. You have a story to tell. But I think the more that we're in the scriptures, the more that God is able to say, but telling your story is telling me and how I can save somebody. Because here's the reality of us in sharing our testimony. You and I can't save one person. God can. God can use our mistake for His glory. God can use our sin for His glory. God can use us when we're willing to do what He's called us to do. So there's a plan and a purpose for us, both right now and in the life to come. How many of you believe that you're here for a reason? We're here for a reason, right? We're here in this world for a reason. We're here, you're in your job, in your classroom, in your place in life 
for a reason. God is doing something in your heart and those around you that you might not even see to prepare you, to prepare them for His coming. He's given you an, uh, an opportunity to tell Jesus Christ and to demonstrate that. The book of John brings this into full focus. John 14. In John chapter 14, verse 1 says this, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. For where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is saying that I am going to prepare a place for you. And the great thing about it is, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to that place. And it's a place of no more sorrow, no more pain, no more hardship. For the former things will be gone away and the newness of Christ will be revealed. And you and I get to sit at the foot of Jesus forever and ever and worship Him. Y'all, there's a day that's coming. There's a time that's coming. And most of us come to it with anticipation. And see, most of us understand that this earth is not our home. And we are waiting on that day with anticipation. In fact, Billy Graham said that he's what? He was just passing through, right? So many of us think about this life, the hardships, the trials, and the difficulties, and they seemingly do not end. But take heart, Scripture says, that greater is He that is within you than he who is in the world. And we will deal with trials and temptations, but God is greater still. So most of us wait that day with anticipation, but we can't get so focused on that day that we miss what the Holy Spirit is doing in and through our life now. We can't get so future focused to say that, that I've got my ticket punched and I know where I'm going when I die. We have to say, God, what are you doing in the here and now in my life that others might know who you are too? That others might taste and see. That others might know that they can be forgiven and loved. What are you doing in my life now to get me out of my comfort zone? And God, I'm willing to go where you take me. Even if I don't know what that means. See, it's a day by day kind of thing, right? It's a taking up of our cross today. It's a taking up of our cross tomorrow. It's a taking up of our cross the next day and next day and the next day so that we understand with all certainty as believers in Christ that the Lord's going to come and there's people in our life that need to know. So we cannot miss what the Holy Spirit's doing in and through our life even today as we wait. Secondly, we see that we are to grow and add people to the roles of heaven. How many of you know that it's your job, no matter what your giftedness is, as far as spiritual giftedness goes, to tell the good news of Jesus Christ to all those you encounter? It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're a great orator or speaker. It doesn't matter if you have the Bible downloaded. It matters that you are obedient. Then it matters that God will give you the words to say and the right words to say during that time of obedience. 
How many of us need to just avail ourselves to the Lord and say, wherever, whenever, God, I want to serve you. Wherever, whenever, I want to tell people of the goodness of you. Wherever, whenever, I want you to save the souls of humanity. Wherever, whenever, God, I want you to just use me in the best way you can for your glory and your name's sake. See, truthfully, if we look at it in today's light, unfortunately, I guess that we as believers are more known for being stumbling blocks than any time before. But we're also known, known more today for what we're against and what we're for, too, as well, right? And a lot of times, we need to invite people to know Jesus Christ and demonstrate that more than anything else. You and I are to be known by our love for others. And that love, that love penetrates the hardest of hearts. See, we are all sinners saved by God's grace through Jesus Christ. We all need that grace every day. Amen? I need Him every day. I need that grace every day. And I need that forgiveness every day. And there's never a day or a time I don't need Him Jesus to forgive and work through my life. So thirdly, what I believe these passages call us to this morning is to be diligent. Diligent. That's not something that's in our vocabulary books a lot. Diligent means that we are going to remain on task. It also means steady, earnest, energetic, and effort, devoted and painstaking work to the, an application to accomplish an undertaking, meaning that we are to be diligent to the work and the growth in the Lord as we are required so that we might be found in peace, spotless, and blameless. Next, we understand that the fruit of the Spirit should be present in our lives. What fruits are present in your walk with Jesus. In other words, what evidence is there that you are walking deeper and living out your faith today more than ever before? What fruit is apparent in your life? What evidence is apparent in your life? Do others know that you believe in Jesus Christ and you're not going to compromise that? The people on the ball field know that. The people at your work and in your home, the people in your office, the people in your classroom know that you believe in Jesus Christ and they see His goodness in you and they see His mercy in you and they see your servant's heart and they see your humility and they see your forgiveness and they see Him in you. Hebrews 12 says this, verse 1 through 3. And in that verse it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run the race. But what do we do when we're running the race? It says in verse 2, it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Remember what Jesus has done already. 
but know that He wants to do greater things in our lives. Do not grow weary. Do not lose heart. Because there will be a day, a new heaven and a new earth, a day that He's going to return and He's going to come. Will you be one who is called to go to the place that He has prepared for you when that day comes? And there's a lot of folks that might say it like this, I think I will go there, but I want you to do this. I want you to know. I want you to not have a shred of doubt in your mind that He has redeemed you, that He has saved you, that you are put on a firm ground, that you are living in such a righteous manner, that you are doing what God has called you to do. I don't want you to have a question whether you're going to be in heaven because there's a lot of good people. And there's a lot of good people to do good things. And there's a lot of good people that do good things that come to church but don't know Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of people that do good things that come to church that attend to everything the church has going on, but they've missed Jesus Christ. And they've missed His salvation. And the only way to heaven is through Jesus. I don't want you to miss Jesus. I don't want you to miss what He's trying to do in your life. I don't want you to let it all slip away because the world is so busy and pulls you in different directions. Will you be one when He comes that He welcomes home? See, I believe that we have a lot of choices in the here and now. I believe we have a lot of choices today. The greatest choice that you can ever make is to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The greatest choice that you could ever make was to say that you don't have it all figured out, that sin is a part of your story, but the greater story should be that Jesus redeemed me, saved me, gave me more than I ever deserve. So because of that, I have more to do. I have to tell people about Jesus Christ. I have to live and demonstrate that love every day. I have to serve. I have to live in such a transparent manner to where everybody who comes to Jesus doesn't believe that they've got to be perfect, but they believe they can come and can trust in Jesus Christ, that Christ came to save them, that they might know and be reunited. So on the day that Jesus returns, and He will, Will you be counted in that number? Will He call you sons and daughters? Or will He say, depart from me, for I never knew you? That's a real way of looking at things. And what will He find you doing when He returns? Will you be living out the calling in your life? Will you be telling people the good news? Will you be serving and going? Or will you be consumed with your own life? Consumed with your own things? Consumed with what others think of you? Consumed with what the world is teaching? Consumed with all those things? See, the world around us will get us distracted, won't they? Distraction's a real thing. If you know what distraction is, ask people what cell phones are. Distractions that keep us from doing and noticing what's around us. Folks, we need Jesus now more than ever. But greater still, we need to live as if we know Jesus now more than ever. Let's pray, y'all. Father God, we come on this day. Father God, we know that we don't have it all figured out. 
But we do believe is that your promises are always true. Your word is always true. Father, we can depend on you. We can trust in your name. So, Father God, you've said that you will come back one day, that there will be this new heaven and new earth, and you will dwell with humanity, but there will also be a reckoning, a judgment of those who didn't know you. And that judgment, that eternal separation to the lake of fire and eternal damnation in hell itself is real. But, Father God, you have also presented a way through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gave his life so that we didn't have to just stay stuck in our sin, but that we might be forgiven and loved. Not because of what we've done, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So God, I pray today if there's one who needs to know that they are a believer in you, needs to trust their life to you, needs to be forgiven, needs to repent, needs that forgiveness to walk away and to walk into your arms. God, I pray today is that day. Father God, we pray as, as many are trying to deal with their own humanity and they're trying to deal with life's difficulties and they're trying to deal with sin. God, I pray today is their day of salvation. Father God, I pray for so many of us as we are in this world, but not of this world. Father God, oftentimes we can get wrapped up in the fact that we know Jesus. But even more, we need to be worried about those around us who need to know the name of Jesus Christ. Father God, I pray that you put that burden on our heart as we go. As we're in this world, that we need to represent you more so than any ever before. Father God, I pray you convict our hearts this morning. Father God, I pray that you convict us this morning. And if there's some that need to say, Lord, I want to be all in with you. I want you to have every part of my heart. I want to, to know that I'm doing something in this world, not for my own glory, but for your kingdom's sake. Then maybe today's that day that we set aside our life to truly serve you. Father God, I pray in these moments that we have that it's nothing about us, but all about you and your glory, in your name's sake. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Run for Jesus podcast with Jeremy McCrory. Tune in next time for more relevant sermons and ministry helps to help you run the race of faith in your Christian life like never before. Mm-hmm.